Okay, so today I'm sitting here with Gary Green from Quantum. Um, I wanted to sit with Gary because he's got um, some really valuable insights into automation and robotic learning. And I wanted to talk to him because New Zealand has always been on the wrong sides of productivity and efficiency statistics. And I've noticed that, you know, we were thrust into some pretty unexpected changes last year, which prompted New Zealanders to think about how they can better service their audience how they can better manage costs and become more efficient and how they can better do business in New Zealand in the new environment. Now, Gary um, made a comment um, on, a, on an article that he wrote recently that really resonated with me and got me quite excited. So I wanted to delve into that with him a bit more, where he commented that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. So can you talk to us about what that would mean? Yeah, I, I mean, we do live in the most exciting times and also most disruptive times. Uh, in history and this you know I forgot the chap's name but he, he's basically saying that in the next hundred years we're going to have 20,000 years of change thrust upon us mm. of the development we've done in the last 20,000 years there's going to be even more change and development of how we do things mm. and again the four industrial revolutions it recognised the first one was around steam and basically a massive transformation in, that, in humanity of moving from the land into cities mm -hmm. and the start of kind of industrialization using coal and steam to rather than manual and horse labor to produce products and services. Mm -hmm. Then we had the move from using steam to using electricity, which then meant that you could actually start to distribute production and also uh, where you actually engineered and built things. And then the third was around computer technology but this has been over probably a hundred years where you've gone from mechanical devices to valves to transistors to integrated circuits and you know the progression and what we know as Moore's law of every 18 months a doubling of capability halving of price and you've gone from this kind of scarcity to abundance type model the fourth is around knowledge and information and it's also that there's 20 plus technologies that are actually becoming subject to Moore's law and exponentially growing. Mm. So we've got this kind of compounding effect of multiple technologies, some of them on an individual basis, but some of them can be brought together to have an even greater multiplier effect. So the thing is on its own that that's a transformation or industrial revolution that, that powers is only the start of it because it's, it's then where you go with that and it's that it enables new business models mm. and new ways of doing stuff. And it's and it's very much that thing of once you digitise stuff, it becomes exponential. The incremental price of doing stuff goes to zero. Mm. So it's things like, you know, the Kodak moment of that if you had a camera, you could take, you know, there's a cost to you taking uh, with analogue film a photo. It might cost you a dollar to take a photo because you had to take frame up the photograph, take it, get it developed. And so you're very careful about those 36 shots because they're finite and it costs you money. Mm. Now, when you digitise a camera, actually, you've invested in the technology of the camera, which is normally on a phone or some other device, actually it costs you nothing to take the photograph. Mm. So you can take as many as you want. The problem is not scarcity, it's abundance now. Mm. So the problem is in the past was managing that scarcity. You had industries set around how you manage scarcity and how you do stuff. So now the problem is actually there is no money to be made in that scarcity anymore because it's free. Mm. So it's the business model of the past actually completely collapses and is demonetized. 
So then as new business models come up, so the whole thing about digitization of say images is that social media is a massive thing that you can share those images now, you can create videos, there's content, there's curating, it's how you manage that abundance and do stuff. Your problem's more you've got so many photographs you don't know what to do with them or yes. how or where they are in history, historically looking at them so on. So it completely transforms that. But it's also that in revolutions you get winners and losers. And it's often a revolution is that those that have got vested interest in the old ways of doing stuff are the ones that end up losing in the new in the revolution and the new industries so on. So you get for example with Kodak, <clears throat> they invented a digital camera. They sat on it for years because they saw it as a threat. But the threat was completely different that came. It was actually social media that killed them mm. because you didn't distribute physical photos, you distributed them electronically, and, but you could do so much more. But then you think of all the industries that have spun up from that. But equally, the model for, say, Kodak was centred around a chemical-based production and uh, assets that were sunk into that, where the digital distribution channels were completely different mm. and you know those that owned them could see the advantage or those that leveraged them. So it's that kind of different way of thinking that you know, the revolution kind of enables. So revolution is not, not a case of laying new technology over an old model. It's actually an entirely new way of approaching the yeah. problem that, you're, that your audience is facing. Yeah. And we see with, say, with automation, there's three distinct areas you can automate or effects you can have. And, you know, it's very much that there's a tactical automation of I've got a problem, a squeaky wheel, I'll deal with it. And so most people are in that mindset of it's the biggest problem nearest to them that's causing them the biggest pain that they focus on. And we will go in and obviously we've helped a lot of clients and actually look beyond that what the real problems are they can address the real opportunities. But really I, I look at the three areas of how you automate. The first one is around the pain point and you will look to solve that but it's really a one-on-one -on -one benefit that you'll You'll automate something and you'll free up an hour of somebody's time that can then be reinvested. It's a one-on-one -on -one relationship where there's you can use it much more transformationally that you're going, well, actually, my business model, my customer service isn't right, I need to speed it up, I need to do things better. Conventional way would be, oh, um, if I've got to service a customer, do a customer response within five days, I want to do it half a day, I need 10 times the number of people to service that. And most organisations can't afford that. So you go, well, you don't need to do that. You can actually design the process and use the technology to speed that up to get a tenfold increase in capability, yeah. keep the same number of people just to deal with exceptions and higher value or difficult problems. Mm -hmm. So this is where you get a kind of 10 to 1 power up then on using automation. But both of those use existing business model and way of working where the third way is actually using technology and automation for new business models. Mm. So it enables you to do things differently, think differently and support that. And basically you can have exponential growth. And that's where the disruptors are. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you reduce friction? Because in organisations, there's always a human component to change and, and change management, um, as well as adapting to the new technology. Absolutely. Um, yes. and. I guess the thing is, even with those three areas of how you can use automation to change, your approaches are quite, the two are quite similar and the third is different. If you've got an existing business and you're using the existing business model, but you're overlaying automation on that, 
it's very much a conventional change management approach and so it's massively about education it's about bringing people on the journey making sure that they're not afraid and a part of that yeah so it's very much you know showing people what they can do mapping it out uh, being open and honest about why you're doing this and if it's about productivity gains making their lives better in a way and we call it a triple win if you can get that that you're looking to create shareholder value you're looking to create customer value and you're looking to create employee value mm. and by if you put automation in the right way you can get all of those yes and yeah again it's all about openness communication and taking people on the journey and mm. um, however if you're doing something that's a new business model um, and leveraging technology it's easy for a new business and a startup to do that um, greenfield site if you're an existing business um, you can't do it in the core business because the core business will kill it mm. because it's too much of a threat it's too different yeah. so you've got to set up an entity on the edge of the business either as a new entity or something that's given autonomy and protected from the immune system of the business mm -hmm. and then let it go and again, you're using things like experimentation to test your hypothesis around these new models, testing with customer groups, etc. Take take them on the journey, develop what the new offering is, and then you either run that entity as a, a separate organisation owned by the other one, or you look at bringing that back in, or you know the other way more likely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't. It's like oil and water; they just won't combine normally. Yes. I like how you describe it as an immune system, actually, that that's totally what it is. Mm. <laughs> Whereas the, this, this one's got the survival instinct, and this one here is the new way. Mm. So, yeah. And the thing is, is that people have, where we are now, we're a kind of product of everything we know, yeah. and the way we've been taught, and we've all been taught about managing scarcity, whether it's money, people, or high-value assets. Mm -hmm. And then, <clears throat> and again, there's been very much you know, command and control type structures around that. Where as you move into, we start to have abundance of resources, whether it's data, information, um, so on. It's a completely different way of thinking because mm -hmm. you're not constrained by what you were in the past. And it's very much command and control won't work there. It's got to be self-organizing groups. You've got to be aligned. You've got to be able to move really quickly. Mm. So you're into things like the organizations that do really well have got massive transformational purposes. They know that they're going for the moon or for another planet. You know. And it's lit from the top. It's so. having a visionary leader. You know, it's people like Elon Musk with SpaceX, where he's going, you know, their, per their massive transformational purpose is to make life multi-planetary. Mm -hmm. So everything they do is around putting their colony on Mars. Mm. And so, you know, people can, you know, does this support us put their colony on Mars? Well, no. So it's not important. Does this? Yes. Mm -hmm. I've worked in organisations in the past where oh, that's the that's the tech people's thing, go and ask them. Mm -hmm. But for a transformational, it really needs to be lived and breathed by the yeah. organisation, by the, yeah. the, those in governance, those managing the ship. Yeah. And it's that thing of if you've got the massive transformational purpose, you then the organisation's got autonomy. You can self-organise through, you know, the social technologies that are used. You kind of just flatten the structure, and it's the ability to people to self-synchronise mm -hmm. to that common goal that they're aiming. And mm -hmm. it's the same then with any business or organisation. If you've got that goal, you can always check against that, mm -hmm. and it just 
speeds things up because people know what where they're going, what they're doing, and why they're doing it, mm-hmm. and everything else kind of you know cascades down from that. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a pretty um, high level, all encompassing um, end vision. But how do you get started on that journey of implementing automation or transformational change into your company? Good question. <laughs> I know someone that can help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the question we always ask when we you know when we talk to clients or customers is that you know why do you want to do this mm-hmm. and it's really simple because it's you know there's some driving and like I said there may be massive transformation purpose there may be the organization has been disrupted there may need to drive efficiencies or productivity gains in the business or the customer services and rates is normally a driver around it and it's understanding that yeah and then it's a case of <clears throat> understanding what levers are there to be pulled mm-hmm. to help that, whether it's... And we'll often go in and do a thing called an automation opportunity assessment where we'll sit down with the business and we know what the main drivers are mm-hmm. and then it's understanding in uh, a business unit how they are getting there or what the gaps are and then what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And it may be that there's actually needs to be um, some maturing of the processes uh, there may be that actually there's gaps in the systems that got there. They may need some new systems, or that's you know, or a combination of all of those. Yeah. And then we'll normally map out what the journey is, what needs to be done along there. And it's again, you need to get a transformational effect. You need people, process, systems, and data. It's a combination of those together. Yeah. And the technology is no silver bullet because it's the people that make the difference and do this. Yeah. And it's making sure as well not really that people are on board as part of that change, but also that you know, they're actually doing stuff that's of value, yeah. which they are. Because a, a lot of times we're going into places and people are in really mundane activities and not being able to fulfill the true potential. Mm. Yeah, I like that angle actually, as, a, as, as someone who would who would be in a, a job that's got a, an ongoing function that's kind of the same, you can take away the laborious stuff and focus on where the leverage where the leverage is. Yeah. It would be more satisfying for your role and And that's the thing, people think that automation robots are going to take people's jobs, but it's if you look at we're constrained by our thinking of the past and the ways we're doing things mm-hmm. and the legacy stuff. There's a lot of stuff we want to do but we just can't or previously it was too expensive to do but now we can do but that means that actually the volume of work is actually continuing to increase so you can't do it how you used to you do use use automation and you need to use systems to actually do a lot of that mundane stuff Mm. and it's also that in an ideal world people just have one system that does this but no one's has that luxury really because mm-hmm. you've got the legacy or something that just can't afford to be swapped out so you have to work with that or you've got multiple customers that are all doing things a different way that you mm-hmm. interact with or suppliers so it's how you can actually meld that together for your organisation to give you an advantage mm. yeah, and an advantage over your competitors as well that's yeah. critical so if you if, if they're approaching things in, in option two that you said which was you know transformational and you're going to go for option three which is really disruptive, you know, you, you've got to think about the cost of that versus the reward, which one's going to, you know, really help you stand out in the marketplace, become more efficient, really service your audience better. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting because 
you know, it's almost like a curve that there's lots of people doing the tactical, less doing the more strategic, and even less doing the disruptive. Mm -hmm. But it's a bigger commitment to the disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave some links for both Quantum and for Gary um, in the uh, on this um, when I post this because um, Gary and Quantum are regularly making commentary around these sorts of topics around automation and digitization and, and, and all of that so that that can keep you thinking about how to implement it in your own business and when you're ready you can talk to Gary about how it would apply specifically for your project and goals. Thank you. Thank you Thank Gary. You.